Welcome to the Popular History Podcast. My name is Greg, and this is the slightly belated development update for February 2022. A lot has been going on. I'm going to front load some podcast update for those who might be here just for that. And then we'll have some fun with an unusual saint story tied to Ukraine, since that's the big topic of the moment. Uh, Do pray for Ukraine, folks. If you're Christian, you should be rooting for peace and against the aggressor in any war. And if you're not Christian, well, you should still be doing that, because the more war gets world leaders ostracized and the more it blows up in their faces, the less frequently they'll turn to it as an option. That might sound like crazy talk, but it's true. Wars have gotten less common as they've become less popular, at least in the age where popularity matters. I've got a whole theory I'm happy to go into on this, but not here and not now, because I'm trying to get this published tonight, and that would be quite the distraction. Uh, Suffice to say, if you want to chat more about it, go ahead and email me at popularhistory at gmail.com. Email plug, check. Now, both the more and probably even the less astute among you have probably noticed that this isn't an actual episode, uh, certainly not episode 0.14, something about Mary. My best guess on that is now April or May 2022, given that I honestly have made basically no progress on that episode since we last spoke. Don't despair, because I have made some general podcast progress, including some needed equipment upgrades and a collaboration with some wonderfully supportive podcasters much more established than I, including... Well, we'll save that. Okay, update done, minor as it is. Now for the promised fun with that Ukrainian saint story. Don't hold me to a too high a standard on this one in terms of the quality of the research and the fact-checking, because it occurred to me it would be fun to talk about this just a few hours ago. And I'm not going to take the time to really delve in and, you know, do the full quality research because that's literally what I don't have the time for at the moment. That's why I'm doing these episodes instead of normal episodes. Also, we're relying on some reasonably, we'll call it, uh, hazy chronicles of early Russian history. I'm just not going to go as deep into fact-checking as I normally would. I also actually blew most of my normal editing time making sure I was pronouncing Kiev right. And if you think I should be saying Kiev, you should note that that's not how Ukrainians themselves say it. That's the Russian way, or at least as close to the Russian way as I can manage. Just like Kiev is as close to the Ukrainian way as I can manage, with due apologies for any lingering uh, maligning. I think there's basically kind of an R sound in there that I'm not getting. Anyways, a Saint Olga of Kiev was a 10th century Viking princess who achieved the lofty saintliness of equal to the apostles, a distinction she shares with such luminaries as Saint Paul and Constantine the Great, neither of whom I'm going to properly introduce here because if I take my world-building approach to this episode and explain everything I didn't already cover that you didn't already know, well, the pacing would be way off, so just tough this one out and the training wheels will come back on when we do an actual episode, all right? You know what? Fine. You're on your own with St. Paul, but Constantine was the Roman emperor who legalized Christianity across the empire after his own apparently miraculous conversion. Now, Olga lived a while after Constantine, but there's something of a connection since it was one of Constantine's successors that brought her to Christianity. Basically, the emperor around Olga's time wanted to marry her, but he wasn't prepared to marry a pagan. For her part, Olga wasn't willing to get baptized by just anyone, she was only prepared to get saved if she was baptized by the emperor himself, otherwise she would refuse. So a baptism, apparently for the sake of a marriage alliance, with the understanding it was only going to happen if it was flashy enough. 
This, apparently, is the stuff saints are made of, at least it's the stuff St. Olga of Kiev, equal to the apostles, was made of. But wait, according to the Primary Chronicle, that early Russian history text that basically gives us all we know of St. Olga, it turns out the baptism was something of a trick, because instead of a step in marriage prep like the emperor had in mind, the baptism actually made marrying the emperor impossible, as Olga was quick to point out. Uh, basically, since he had been the one to baptize her, she was now a spiritual daughter, and according to church rules at the time, you could no more marry your spiritual daughter than you could your earthly daughter, as it would be a sort of spiritual incest. So, Olga got an alliance with the Empire without having to sacrifice her independence. And all it took was getting baptized. I cannot stress enough that the Chronicle really doesn't suggest a spiritual motive for Olga here. Her baptism just appears to have been largely political. That said, she did make some effort to convert her subjects and build churches, but she wasn't even successful in converting her own son. Best she could apparently do was convince him not to persecute Christians. But the ins and outs of her baptism and conversion efforts aren't why St. Olga stands out among saints. No, instead, she's best known for her many vengeful murders, which were very much premeditated and which there's no reason to believe she ever regretted or repented from. Rather, they're a bigger and more memorable feature of her life than her baptism, even though she was the first Christian leader of Kievian Rus, and I cannot stress this enough, a prominent canonized saint. Oh, you want the gory details? Sure, let's go. But first, we'll pause a moment in case any particularly sensitive souls want to jump off or if anyone needs to banish kids from the room. We're taking a look at some judges-leveled violence here. The year is 945. Olga's husband, Igor, has just been killed, leaving her running things in Kiev. Her husband's killers, the Drevlians, boldly propose marriage, a great way to establish their control over Kievan Rus. Like with the Emperor, Olga pretends to go along, but in the end, it's a trap, as she tells them to get into their boats and be carried with honor. They were indeed carried in their boats, I guess with honor, and then dumped into a trench and buried alive. Olga asked the dying Drevlians if that was to their liking. I'm guessing it wasn't. Before word got back to the other Drevlians, Olga sent word that they should send some sort of honor guard to celebrate her connecting with their leader, that marriage thing again. Such an honor guard was assembled from their upper crust, and upon arrival they were invited to bathe before being presented to St. Olga. I said saint again there, because I might as well remind you that it was a canonized saint who had the bathhouse set ablaze with this fresh batch of Drevlians inside, killing them as well. Then, St. Olga reached out to the Drevlians once again, this time proposing a funeral feast for her husband before she would move on. Many Drevlians joined in on the feasting, I say many, because when these Drevlians got drunk, and you guessed it, St. Olga had them slaughtered, we're told she had 5,000 of them killed that night. What a party! But even this wasn't enough for St. Olga equal to the Apostles. She then switched to regular old warfare, handily defeating the remaining Drevlians and chasing the survivors back to their city. A siege began, and after a year, Olga once again ended up sending another one of her dangerous messages, telling the Drevlians that if they didn't want to sit and starve, they could, you know, surrender. All she asked was three pigeons and three sparrows from each house. Seems like a pretty good deal. Uh, <laughs> but then you remember it's coming from Olga. 
Samson and the foxes comes to mind because St. Olga proceeds to tie sulfur to the birds and set them on fire so they would fly back home, setting the Drevlian homes ablaze. Drevlians who tried to escape the flames were either cut down or enslaved by St. Olga's soldiers at her orders, and a remnant was left to pay tribute. So, there you have it. St. Olga of Kiev and what she's best known for. If you see a crowned female saint who looks ready to kill more Drevlians, you're probably looking at St. Olga. The moral of this story, of course, is one that still rings true today. Don't mess with the people running Kiev. St. Olga of Kiev, pray for us.